Thank you to the worship team for a great morning worship. Amen. 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 So good morning. Um, it's an honor to be here to preach the word of God. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity from your pastor, Ben. Uh, ben, uh, I got to know Ben uh, in OCPN, as he mentioned. And uh, he was a, a great mentor and helper. And uh, it was great. Every time we heard, oh, Ben's coming, we're like, yeah, Ben's coming. <laughs> and uh, we knew that... Um, his wisdom and his knowledge will be uh, in some way passed to us. So we're very excited uh, to have him. Um, so I'll be here for the next three weeks. Uh, so buckle up. Um, it's going to be great. And um, today my wife is with me, Saritza. Saritza with S. Z at the end. Saritza. Uh, my two boys, Eduardo and Marcos, and, um, and we're excited to be here. Um, if you notice by now, I speak Spanish for the accent, and I've, uh, I'm from Puerto Rico. I came here uh, 2001, uh, so um, it's been a great journey um, learning. Uh, for the past 21 years. So if you want to go with me uh, to Isaiah 41, Verse 10, and we're going to read this passage, this verse, which is going to be the foundation of what we're going to be talking about this morning, okay? Uh, so Isaiah 41, verse 10, and hear the words of God to his people through the mouth, words, and message of Isaiah. It reads like this, fear not. We can stop right here when we hear God saying, do not fear. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. These are the words of God to his people in captivity. But nobody knew that in the horizon, something was coming. Freedom was coming. A miracle was coming. But when the people heard this, they didn't know, right? And Isaiah said, do not fear, fear not. And why? Because God is with you. I am with you. So I want this morning, if you live with anything this morning, is that God is with you and he will strengthen you. Doesn't matter the situation. Do not forget that God is with you. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. We ask you that these words become a reality in our lives that we will be able to handle, to behold, to, to, to take anything that life can bring. Not because of our strength, but because of your strength. 
Help us, God, that as we go through your word, we might find comfort and we might experience your love and your mercy. In your name we pray, amen. So I grew up in Puerto Rico um, working in cars. So my dad used to do a bunch of stuff in the garage, and I was there with my brother. Uh, my sister, too, but eh. Um, so we used to break cars, fix them, uh, go to the track, break them again, bring them home, fix them again. Um, because we were trying to see how fast can we go on the quarter mile, right? So parts were added to the engine so we can produce more horsepower. Like, we want to put a lot of stuff in the engine so we can make more power. But adding power to an engine is done the issue. You can buy any parts to make your car, your engine more powerful. The difficult part, it's making possible that everything else holds together so it can take the abuse and the power that you're adding to the engine. And if you know anything about cars, the V8, the shape of the engine doesn't allow, because now you have two sides pushing down, and usually in a V8, it'll break, it'll, it'll break. It's not like a four-cylinder uh, V6, not a V6, uh, six-cylinder inline, right? That is just one. So for the V8s, or I'm pretty sure for other cars now, there is something that is called a girdle, which is what I have here. This is a girdle, okay? This is a very heavy part. And this, you use it so when you build the engine, if you flip the V8, what you have at the bottom or at the top now is a crankshaft. And the crankshaft is attached with caps, what is called the main caps of the engine, right? So you have main caps. So what you do is that you, once you put everything together, you put this on top and now you add, obviously you gotta change bolt from studs. And now you have a girdle holding the crankshaft. What this does is that it prevents, when the engine is rotating, it prevents the crankshaft from shifting, moving up and down because in the cylinders, there's power in the combustion chamber, spark and fuel explode and it pushes the piston down and it's like a hammer hitting the crankshaft all the time. So if you have eight of those, you need something to hold the crankshaft. So the girdle is sold to give you strength, to provide strength under pressure, to provide strength when whatever is happening in the combustion chamber happens and he pushes it down, he holds the crankshaft. Because if the crankshaft moves and the clearance changes, oil pressure drops, metal to metal, and it blows in pieces. So, isn't that what happened to us under pressure? Isn't that what happened to us in our lives daily when we go out and something happens and we're like, oh, what is it that is going inside of us? Our thoughts, desires, our feelings, 
when this become too much and we feel that we cannot take it anymore. So the question is, how do I handle all this? How do I take all this abuse that's happening up here? So the response doesn't arrive quickly enough as time keeps going and the new idea or the multiple solutions come to mind. It is never easy to face a difficult situation and even when we're facing these things, whatever it is, these things, maybe it's not a task, but maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's a temptation, or maybe it's an urge to do something that to prevent this from happening, I need something else than myself. I need something more to provide strength to my heart, to my mind, because I cannot do it by myself. So throughout scripture, we find men and women that encountered difficult situations where their own strength was not enough, or at least all their thoughts that it wasn't enough. Certainly, there's nothing that we can do by ourselves. We can think that we are enough, we can even succeed in some areas, but all is because of the grace of God. But we, the believers, those who are his family, we must live by faith. So what is faith? So I look on the uh, Lexham survey of theology, the definition of faith, and it reads like this. Faith is the knowledge of Trust in and the commitment to Jesus Christ that is required for salvation. So in Ephesians 2, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own thing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that, so that no one may boast. Romans for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not think of himself so uh, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We're reading uh, Hebrews, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we know that faith, faith is a God-given capacity to trust in him. It's all God's. It's not ours. Tim Keller has a quote, and he reads like this, it is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith is a weak branch in fatally inferior to weak faith is strong in a branch. So the branch is the one that provides. You can say, I have all the faith, but the branch, 
If you read in John 15, right? Talking about the, the vineyard, the, the vine, right? Who is providing that? Who is your faith? Faith is not something we can produce. It comes from God. So I want to tell you this morning that the believer can endure the hardships of life when his or her faith is placed in Jesus Christ. Now, another question comes out. How much faith do I need? We have several passages in scripture that talks about small faith and an increasing faith that is a cause of, the, of joy, or great joy. In cases um, uh, where Jesus rebuked uh, some of his disciples, uh, we, we even see a measure of faith, right? Uh, we see the faith increases when Jesus, he was doing something, and everybody was like, whoa, right? Because they were seeing it. But it seems that there can be a range. I don't want to say much. I don't want to say less, more, a little bit. But apparently there's a range of faith that can measure our faith in certain situations. Not to say that there are different kinds of faith, but a range. We see faith increasing, or Paul talking to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians, he said, we ought always to give thanks to God for you brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for another is increasing. In Luke 17, Jesus, after teaching his disciples about temptation and forgiveness, his disciples says, increase our faith. When Jesus calmed the storm in Matthew 8, 26, Jesus said, Why are you afraid, O oh, you of little faith? Or when Jesus walked in water and called Peter to step out of the boat, but he doubted and started to sink, and Jesus said, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So how much faith do we need? Do you have enough faith? Are you trusting God? Are you putting all your faith, how much faith, in Christ? And faith has a part of what happens in our lives. How much faith Bartimaeus had in his encounter with Jesus after healing him, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. How much faith he had. The leper man that returned. Remember the ten? Only one came back. Jesus also said to him, your faith had made you well. Luke 7.50, we read about a woman that was weeping at the feet of Jesus at Simon's house. Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. So here we stand in faith. Faith in Christ, it was sustains us. It's what keeps us on top, right? Faith 
in Christ becomes our anchor. So now I'm going to start the outline of the message. This is the introduction. <laughs> so how can we strengthen our faith? Well, the definition that we just read can help us. So faith is the knowledge of, and we're going to start with that one. The first thing that we need to strengthen our faith is knowledge of God. Not any knowledge, but the knowledge of God. Who is God? What God has done through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean in my life? What does that mean for us as a church? We need to have the knowledge of God. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. And we read in Romans, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We must hear the message proclaimed by the apostles. Paul in Romans, quoting Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, I practiced that like for two days, three days, Deuteronomy. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Paul clarifies, what is this thing? What is it that is near your heart? That is the word of faith that we proclaim. In Ephesians, Paul writes again, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give you thanks for remembering in my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen to this, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So we must pray for knowledge, knowledge of God, that we're asking God to reveal these things. What things? Our hope. What is our hope? It is Christ. What is our inheritance? To be his family, eternal life. That's what we're getting. And to know his power, the supremacy, sovereignty of God. And his power over sin and darkness. Because if we know these things, we can endure hardships in life. Because our hope is not in the current circumstances, but in the faithfulness of God in our life. That we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That was number one, no, knowledge. Hearing the word of God. 
Second, join a community group, Bible study. When was the last time that you sat down with people and studied the Bible? When was the last time that you sat down and said, let's go through the attributes of God? What does it mean for God to be uh, lovable or, or he's all-knowing or he has mercy, the communicable attributes of God? What about the incommunicable one, right? Like he's eternal, omnipresent. All, all these attributes that describe who is God that will give you the knowledge so when hardship comes, that when life brings you stuff, you can say, Oh, no, no, hold on. I know the God I serve because you have seen that, because you have studied it. What would that kind of knowledge do in your life? What if you really know God? What are we... If you really understand what it means that God gave his son so that we may have life, what does that mean? We need to study his word. Third, a prayer life. The disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11, teach us how to pray. Prayer is a way to communicate with God, our Father. And when Jesus is teaching them further down the verses, here's what Jesus says. And I'll tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, this is not prosperity, but this is the word of God. And the last one here in the knowledge is the testimony of others. Have you sit down with people? Have you asked them, how, how's God doing in your life? What, what, is it, what are you going through? What is it that God has done in your life? A commentator of Philippians said before the composition of the New Testament and its acceptance as authoritative scripture, the tradition as a standard of Christian belief and behaviors was embodied in the teaching and example of those persons in whose life the authority and ethical practice, ethical practice of the Lord was, be found, was to be found. Before they were committed to writing and later formed the corpus of the New Testament scripture, they were learned, received, heard, seen in the person of the apostles. So the testimony of others also provide knowledge of who God is. Or what God is doing. We must act according to the knowledge that we have of God. That is only if you really, really, truly know God. We must testify what God has done in us uh, and others. Romans 10, 
how they will, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We need to testify. We need to talk and tell people what God has done in our lives. Now, number two. In the definition, the knowledge of and the trust in God. Since we have acquired and now we possess knowledge of God, we can apply this knowledge to our lives, trials, tribulations, joyful moments, and even in moments where it seems that there is no hope. In Daniel 3, which is one of my favorite passages, we read, of three guys in front of Nebuchadnezzar, 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 there you go, Nebuchadnezzar, where this guy have built some gods, some figures for the people to worship. And these three kids are called and said, well, you need to worship them. And they call them and say, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer and said to the king, listen to what they said. These people were threatened. We're going to throw you in the, in the furnace uh, oven. We're going to burn you. We're going to kill you if you don't do this. When all the music starts playing and when all the rituals and all the stuff are happening, we all need to bow. You know what they said to him? Oh, Nabucodonosor, Nabucodonosor, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But listen to this verse. But if not... I don't read anything else in Daniel's except for that. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. How many of us have this kind of trust? How many of us can really say, you know what? Eh, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm not, I'm not budging. I'm not doing it. It is the knowledge of how grand and big is our God that we're able to respond in this culture in this manner. It does not matter how culture wants to define humans, adopt new beliefs, and create new trends. We... The Christ-adopted sons and daughters can say, you know what? We know in who, what, why we believe, and we will never, not only not follow our culture, the world culture, but in certain occasions, there might be, not be a need to respond or to defend ourselves.
It is the knowledge of how grand and big is our God that we are able to remind ourselves that we are not alone. That in the midst of tribulation, God is our only hope regardless of the outcome. Regardless of the outcome. Point number three. We're, we're closing soon. Number three. Strengthen your faith by your commitment to God. So we have knowledge. We have put that knowledge to work in our lives. We trust God. But what do we do with all that? We act and we go. Paul reminding the Thessalonians about their calling, he urges them to be firm. And this is what he says. So then brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken words or by our letters. We need to commit our minds to the knowledge of God, to the truth of God. And in Philippians 4, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Our minds must be filled with God's words, God's truth, not what we see on TV, not what we see in the media, not what we see in our phones, whatever it is. Our mind needs to be filled with the truth of God. So once we commit our minds, what do we do? We commit our actions. So we behave in this manner. James 1 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty and, perse and perseveres, being no hearer who forget, but not a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So we must do, we must behave according to what we know. And if you know who God is, and if you trust in God, and if you behave and act, now let me do a parenthesis here. There's nothing we can do to earn grace. We know this, right? This is like the, the girdle here. Everybody thinks that if you put the girdle here, the engine won't break. No, no, listen to me. I had a Mustang with a supercharger, well, a turbo in it, and it blew rods. And he broke the girdle in half because what I put on top of it was too much. And he blew the whole thing. What am I saying with this? 
We need continually, every single day, to rest in God, in His knowledge, His truth. We need to trust that whatever is going on, His sovereignty, right? He's sovereign over it, and He controls everything. So, well, I've been here, I lost the page. Okay. So we must be intentional in how we behave. What we say, how we say it, in all our actions and words must glorify God. Are we behaving as we know God, as people that trust God, as people that have heard and learned and seen what God is doing? Conclusion, how is your girdle holding? How is your faith doing? How is your faith this morning? Do you know or do you need to know more of God? Do you need to trust more in God? Are you committed? to Christ in actions, in minds. It is through Jesus that we can take all hardships and difficulties in this life. It is because of Jesus that we have faith to face the situation you are facing right now. Pray to God that he may increase your faith. If we pray, he will do it. Amen? God bless you.